0: Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It is the board game mechanics. Uh, Jason is my co-host, and I didn't let him introduce himself, but that's okay.
1: <sighs> hey guys, what's going on? I'm here. I'm still here.
0: It's Jason. Uh, the less words he says, the better. We've figured out because um, he only has so many left in him. You can you can hear him. He's only got so many words left. That's true. Yeah. So Jason, I figured out we're we're in that no man's land between like where people will come up to us and say hi to us at game cons and say, Hey, I'm a fan or I enjoy your show. And, and cause like people don't know us that well yet, but we're at that level where like, we can't badmouth things and not have people know that we're content creators and we can't go to the Gen Con deviance tent and walk out without people recognizing us. So, yep. uh, which is a real thing. The Gen Con deviance tent is, is a real, real thing. Uh, anyway do do some googling on that one kids or don't like i don't know maybe your eyeballs need to stay pure so don't do that all right jason well uh, you know what zany banter i, I know it's promised we're not going to give it as much today because i've got a huge game for us to play jason this releases some news that i'm going to give later all right so here's here here's the game jason we haven't done one of your, your fun games in a while here okay uh, I'm gonna open up my document. All right, Jason. I'm gonna name a company or a, an industry, and you're gonna tell me if you think Asmodee is affiliated with it. Okay. Okay. And we're just gonna go through these real fast, and then I'll I'll ch- check your answers and tell you like how you did it at the end. Okay. Okay. Uh, Pro Pro Games. Put up Put up
1: Black Angel. I'm pretty sure that's Asmodee.
0: All right, Bombix. Uh,
1: probably yes. Tree Frog. I don't think Asmodee is gonna want them, so no. Devil Pig Games. Uh, that's like War Games, isn't it?
0: Ah, uh, yeah. Like they made some stuff with Yellow at One Point Heroes in Normandy, and like
1: if Yellow, then yes, I'll say yes. Uh, Hurricane Games. Yes, I know they are.
0: Okay, so now we're gonna get into some weird stuff here. When you go and get a slice of pizza at the airport at a place called Pizza Chef, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it could be who knows.
0: Um, when you go to your local grocery store and buy store brand soda.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: The anti-theft blinds in front of, like, the mall stores.
1: Yeah, that sounds like something they would own.
0: (laughs) Aluminum fencing.
1: No, that's too far.
0: The brushes and mascara and other, like, cosmetics, like all the cosmetic packaging, yeah, basically in the world.
1: Yeah, Katie just told me about that.
0: Uh, Leading utility infrastructure company in the UK and Ireland.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: (laughs) What is Spain's leading sportswear companies? (laughs) Yes. A company that diagnoses in vitro fluids and images or in imaging, in vitro imaging. No. Hundreds of German resorts. Maybe. the uh, You know, like when someone has like throat cancer, which is sad, but then they have to talk like, hey, Jim, Bob, welcome to the fireworks show.
1: Yes. Yes. The, the company that makes those. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think they're in that business.
0: Uh, pills designed to get people off of pills.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: Belgian adventure clothing. Uh no. Forty luxury hotels across France, Spain, and Italy.
1: Oh yeah, I'm sure they're in that business.
0: Sensors all over the space shuttle, which the space shuttles aren't run anymore, so like new rockets, new satellites.
1: SpaceX, yes.
0: A joint venture for Nestle ice cream worth a billion dollars.
1: No, that's too big a too big a game.
0: The lights on the runway of the airport. Yes. Heavy equipment rentals. Yes. The leading line of German lingerie.
1: Ooh, if they don't own that, they should. They should.
0: <laughs> Think about it, right? Uh, an insulation company.
1: Mm, yeah, insulation board game inserts. Yeah, I can go there.
0: Uh, the number one biscuit company in the UK, which biscuit means something different to them.
1: Yeah, like cookie. Yeah, I'll say yes. Three more. Light truck clutches. <laughs> so like the clutch in a light truck. Yes. High-end French shoes. Uh, nobody wants to own anything French, so no.
0: At-home espresso machines. Espresso machines. Yes. Every one of those things that I mentioned is actually somehow affiliated with Asmoday. Just
1: so you know. Are you serious? <laughs> Absolutely. Nah. uh The PAI group that owns Asmodee owns all those companies. Wow, that's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild um and they they typically own a company for about two three years and then they sell it off and make a boatload of money off of them so that said asthma day um their valuation is like quite a bit more than when they bought it and it sounds like they've been shopping around to try and find a buyer and so we might see some changes in the industry at some point whenever they find a buyer uh they're kind of reaching their their uh their ripeness on that i think so yeah uh,
1: we'll see or they could just dissolve and turn into a bunch of little companies and make the hobby better.
0: And people will rejoice. They'd be like, ah, we don't need this $1.2 billion we acquired Asmodee for. Yep. Well, cool. Uh, so that was a fun little game called, does Asmodee own and run everything?
1: <laughs> they do.
0: I'm just hoping that I get some of that that sassy German lingerie in my next game from uh, <laughs> Days of Wonder.
1: That would be hilarious.
0: We're going to the inserts, people. Who knows what kind of treats you have in there?
1: All right. So I found a couple things on the news that seem a little interesting. And the first one I wanted to talk about is a queen game. So that means it's already developed and it'll be shipping out tomorrow. And that, <laughs> yeah. that game is from it's, Rudiger Dorn.
0: It's definitely in a warehouse in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, like, for sure. For sure.
1: So it's designed by Rudiger Dorn. He's done Istanbul. He did uh, Luxor from Queen. He's done a bunch of other games. and uh,
0: Montana, Louis XIV, uh, Ovecchio, uh, yeah. Yeah. Genoa, Karuba, Jumbo, Las Vegas, Goa. I just looked that up earlier because he's super underrated as a designer, I think. Right, like, yeah. he's Seriously, he's made so many games.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. And this game is called Rune Stones. Uh, it has six days left at the time of this recording or the, when this recording drops and It's $45. And what this game is, is it's a deck building game. It has some hand management as well. So you're using these runestones. You're using these cards in a couple different ways. They have numbers on them. You're going to play two cards. The higher card is removed from your deck. So you have to be careful which cards you buy and how you play them so you don't lose your best cards. Then you're going to use your cards to gather gems, turn them into artifacts, combine them into runestones. And that's going to grant you some special abilities throughout the game. The more artifacts you use in making a runestone, the more points you score... So, you're trying to decide the best way to gain abilities early to score points and then into the game. So, if you like deck building and hand management and you're a fan of Rudiger Dorn, it sounds like it sounds to me like it's pretty sweet. So, I would check that out. So, that's Rune Stones.
0: Yeah, it does seem pretty cool. And seriously, Rudiger Dorn, like super underrated as a designer. He's not on the Mod Everest, but man, he would be he'd be in the Hall of Presidents of Board Game Designers at Walt Disney World. So uh, he's definitely a a monumental, uh, maybe not Mount Rushmore monumental, but a very good board game designer. So this would be one worth looking at pretty hard. And Queen's stuff they put out lately, all pretty good, really. Um, So I don't know. I I think Merlin kind of won me over to Queen a little more
1: too. Yeah, I only have a couple games from Rudiger Dorn. and One of them is Mercado. That's not one that you mentioned, Mm. but I really enjoy that. A little pulling things out of bags.
0: Kind of a, almost like a Quacks of Quedlinburg kind of game? Yep, kind of. By the way, I just want to go back to this one more time. All those companies, none of that made up. None of that zany banter. For sure, PAI, Pi, owns all of those industries. They're checking the fetuses, and they're selling German lingerie, (laughs) and they're making our meeples. So, anyway, go on. That's crazy. (laughs) It is
1: wild, Well, speaking of that, I mean, I guess it is a free market. So, the next game I wanted to talk about is called Free Market. It's actually called Free Market NYC. And it's by a company called Unique Board Games, LLC. And I, lo- I looked at this game on Kickstarter for a while, and I have no idea really what it's about, other than it's an auction and trading game where you're trying to be the best capitalist. So kind of like the real life. And it's $49 and it has four days left. So if you like auction and trading games, maybe go check this one out. It has a tower that you throw your bids in, I think. So that's fun.
0: And sold.
1: Yeah. So if you're if you're into that stuff, go check it out. It, it looks it looks kinda good actually, just hard to tell exactly what it is.
0: Well, speaking of a free market, Jason, which I think you said speaking of a free market, <laughs> now I'm gonna say speaking of a free market, Asmodee bought Lion Rampant Games. So this one's kinda fun too, because this is the exclusive German distributor yeah. for the following brands that we know that we care about. Okay. Amigo, Capstone, Gamelin, Grandpa Beck, Grandpa Beck, dude. Grandpa, Grandpa Beck? Looney Labs, R&R, Northstar, Ravensburger, uh, Steamforged, um, all these companies, this is the exclusive Canadian distributor of this. So if you're listening from Canada, all of a sudden, um, basically, you're board game company distributions are all owned by Asmodee. So it'd be like, you know, it's like some shoe company buying another brand. And all of a sudden it's like, Hey, you go to the Adidas and like, you can't buy Adidas. You can only buy Converse now. You know, I don't know. I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but I I suppose there's certainly a possibility that they're the exclusive distributor of companies they compete with, which is really bizarre.
1: Yeah. That's crazy, dude. It's just amazing that all these companies have to result to Asmodee buying them. And that seems ridiculous to me.
0: I I mean, like, honestly, goodness, I, they're not as evil as they could be. Like, if they wanted to start being evil, they really could. And thankfully, they haven't been. It's just wild how big this company is getting. And I think it's just interesting that we're all just kind of watching it happen and just wondering what's going to happen in the future. And that said, I, I think about how awesome the games were that came out at Gen Con this year. And I think about, man, like, a bunch of little indie publishers are coming up with these awesome games. But, like, the two, two of the four hottest games that I loved at Gen Con... We're both Asmodee, and I mean, you think about it, like Black Angel and Abomination, both Asmodee, you know? So, I mean, like...
1: Is City of the Big Shoulders Asmodee? No, they're just tiny,
0: man. Parallel's like Parallel's like a tiny little company. They're not so, going to
1: be after this game.
0: It is super good. It's super good, man. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna hopefully to play with the expansions this weekend, which add like this weird dynamic to it, where it's like productions run based on how many employees you have on some companies and just... So good, Jason. Anyway, let's not get started on that, I guess. Uh, <sighs> more news. Uh, I think I got a little bit more news. Uh, today, I learned that employees who work for for FFG for five years, so if you drive a forklift in their warehouse for five years, they put your picture in one of their games. Dude, that's awesome. They draw you into one of their games. That's pretty awesome. That is awesome. That's why they that's why they have so many LCGs. They've got to like <sighs> put all this throwaway art that they like put people into. Probably. Yeah, wouldn't that
1: so, think of like your one game is like some game that had a small release that no one bought, like uh, uh, that one um, discovery game.
0: My my face is an Android infil- infiltration. <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> yeah. That's crazy.
0: So that's kind of cool. I, that came courtesy of the board game subreddit. Uh, Jason, a little game got announced this week too, or last week, uh, called uh, Tapestry. I don't know if you said anything about that, but it looks pretty amazing. Yeah, I
1: heard they're releasing 30 copies and they're going to do pre-orders of 500,000. <laughs> so no one's going to get the game and everybody's going to complain about it on BGG.
0: We're real snark boys this week, aren't we? <laughs> It's kinda
1: true though. That game does look sweet though. It has some sweet bits.
0: It looks amazing. Like to the point where I thought about becoming uh ambassador. Like a stonemaier ambassador so I could get a copy. Um, it looks really good. I mean it just the component quality alone looks amazing. So yeah uh anyway uh the final thing is uh this isn't anything it's nothing everything's fine but um apparently board game geek looks different now nothing to say there oh, no comments oh my nothing gosh. To talk about
1: that whole jason no that, just, yeah, we've no, got enough snark no, that whole train wreck was fun to watch from the outside
0: but anyway uh yeah so board game geek looks very different very different and it's an abstract game now i guess yep well cool that's about it for news jason
1: All right, so now time for our my favorite segment: games that we have been playing. And
0: oh, that is a good segment.
1: This weekend, I finally got to play a game. It's been sitting on my shelf for a while. It's a big, heavy box. It has like the biggest board I've ever seen in my entire life, and it has a cash register. And it is called Agra.
0: Mmm, very good.
1: Yeah. So, um, so I played this with my buddy Brandon and his wife. So, what this game is is it's a worker placement game. You have 10 workers, which seems like a ton, but you have 10 workers. You're going to these, these places to make resources, uh, wood, cotton, some kind of like, it's like some root plant. And then there's one other thing that I can't remember. And you're trying to use these resources to convert them into building materials, other types of re- building materials, into like textiles, to shirts, um, making curry soup, and you're trying to use this stuff to give to these nobles that are visiting the town or give them to the emperor to score a pile of points. The more stuff you deliver to the notables on the river, the quicker the game ends, but the more stuff you deliver to the emperor, the more points you're going to get. So it's kind of like a give and take of where you want to score your points and how quickly you would you want the game to end. I liked it, but it wasn't as fun as I wanted it to be. It had a ton of rules and the payoff wasn't as fun as the rules learning. So I don't know how often I'm going to play this. So that was Agra.
0: Um. Yeah. You seem kind of disappointed by it. Like when you were talking to me about it, you over the weekend, you were just kind of, it seemed like you were a little bit, I don't know about it. And the thing I know about it, the knock people have had on it in, in the group that I play with is that if they could have made it so that that, slanty angled board that you put everything on could just lay flat on a table and you don't have to worry about like having it look like seriously like a cash register to me that it would be just better if they could have just made it so you can just arrange stuff on a flat mat or something. It would have just actually been a better game. Um, and then it seems like it's kind of like a lot of setup and a lot of fiddle for like how good it actually is. So right, uh, so that's
1: too bad. Yeah. The, that cash register part or the delivery part was actually my favorite part of the game. And I we never knocked it over once. So I don't care about any of that, but it was just, I don't know it. It was just a worker placement game, but it was convoluted. The board's hard to look at. The artwork's beautiful, but the graphic design took a backseat to how beautiful the art is. So it just makes it hard to play. And I'll need to try it again with somebody who's not uh, grump-facing it, and then we'll see what happens.
0: Our first person to listen to this episode is called a grump-face.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, I already told him when he was over here.
0: I love you, buddy. You're, you're my favorite. I'm looking forward to playing games with you again. Uh your new best friend, Joel. Well, cool. Uh, I played a game that's not Agra. It's called Just As Much of a Pain to Set Up. But thankfully, the game's awesome and fun to play. Uh, that game is Edge of Darkness. And so this one, here's my thing about it. I'm going to say, don't watch any How to Play This Game videos. Don't watch any um, like overview videos of this. Because they can't do this game justice. It's so hard to explain this game to people. And I tried to do it, and I spent like 20 minutes on explaining gameplay in my video on YouTube. And I think I left it going, well, that well, that's not even really how the game works, though. And I couldn't figure out how to get it pulled off. But I'll tell you this. It's an awesome game. Um, I ended up giving it a 4.5 out of 5 stars on YouTube. Uh, and I... I think it's really awesome. It's just a really good game. It's it's like you you play this game, and you understand why Mystic Veil feels like half a game. Because this is really the game that Mystic Veil was supposed to be. Uh, and I think the lore on this is that... I think his name is John DeClaire. Uh, he, he, I think, actually had this idea for a game first. Developed it. Went to AEG, and AEG said, that's really ambitious. We're not sure if that's going to be something we want to do. So let's strip out some elements of it, the card crafting thing, and make it much simpler. And they did that and it sold well enough. They were like, all right, we'll give this a shot on Kickstarter. So they did. And then some of the lore that I've heard since then is basically it's super expensive for them to manufacture this game. So some of the components in it are kind of cheap. Like the plastic quality feels a little cheap in it. It feels like the old Hero HeroScape kind of games or something like that. Um, and then even then, it was really expensive to make, and they were way in the red for this game. So they won't ever publish it the way it is right now again, I've heard. They might do a Kickstarter with a higher price point, or they will do a Kickstarter that doesn't have miniatures in it or something like that. Um, but if you want to get a copy of this, it's going to be pretty hard for a while, I think, is basically the bottom line on it. But if you can ch- if you get a chance to play it, it's really good. It's card crafting, but it's really more like – it's not really the cards. It's almost like you're crafting um, a set of – like actions that you're going to do a set of like basically commands for your turn so you are crafting cards which means you know like putting putting things in these slotted sleeves so that it does three things up to three things and then basically what you're doing though is you're drafting those back from the discard pile to try and get the actions you want to do but then that's really where the game is it's like you have these workers that you stick out on these different tiles and when you put them out they give you this ongoing benefit so while they're there, they sometimes will give you a benefit. Sometimes they'll give you a benefit when you withdraw them, back to your back to your guild hall, uh, and sometimes they just give you an ongoing like make things cheaper or make things better. And so you're trying to balance getting these guys trained with getting them on the board, and then the whole premise of the game is that there's this dice tower that has threatened it. And so the more you do in the city, the more the darkness can see that things are happening there and they want to try and stop it or get aggravated. So you drop these cubes into this dice tower and once they trigger aggro, these beasts come and fight you and they come attack you. And if they come and attack you, you can get one victory point. That's that's it. You can get one victory point if you defend their attack or you lose one victory point if they kill you. And that's it. That's like basically it if they attack. So if they come and attack, it's not a huge deal. It's not going to really help you a ton either way. But if you can get together a, a hunting party and go out into the wilderness and hunt them down, you're going to get pretty good rewards and you get to keep them from coming to you on your terms. So it's like balancing, do I wait for them to come to me and it's not going to be a huge deal, but then I can wait and get ready for more things later? Or am I going to try and take the fight to them and get these nice rewards? And then you actually clean out some of those threat cubes so that you won't get attacked. You can kind of mitigate your attack, getting attacked. And then all the while you're doing that when put it, with putting these improvements into these cards, And then after you spend a card on your action phase, if it's your card that you drafted from there, it goes into the discard pile. If it's a neutral card, it goes into the discard pile. But then if Jason, let's say you're playing with me, and I crafted you crafted a card, and it's in the discard pile, I can still draft your card, but then it's basically going to go into your guild after that. So you get kind of like your card back for free. It's like a boomerang kind of thing almost. And if you have enough cards out there and you're playing with enough players, you can exceed your hand limit sometimes by doing that. So if like four of your cards were used last round, they're all going to come back to your guild hall, and typically you only get to have three cards. So... It's it's wild because it seems like a card game, but it really isn't. It's more like a worker placement, management type game that has this cool card crafting thing kind of in how you do the worker placements and things. So it's... it's the other thing too is it's really new. It's really unique. It's hard to describe because you can't say it's like Dominion but this, or it's like Uh, A worker placement game with this thing because it's all very different. It doesn't feel like anything else I've really played, but it's really good and I really enjoy it. So that's Edge of Darkness. If you get a chance to find it or or play it, I would strongly suggest it. It's just a really neat experience.
1: So you said it's hard to show on video. Is it hard to teach people how to play it too?
0: Uh, Yeah, it kind of is because it's just so different. But then the thing about playing it is I think you can unpack it so slowly and they can ask questions and clarifications. But then once you experience it a little bit, you see how... So basically there's this card crafting, card drafting, worker placement, combat, all these different things out there going on. But then they come together so well. It does make one machine. And so it's kind of hard to teach. But really in a way, it's like once you get through that first round, there's eight rounds. Once you get through that first round, people kind of go, oh, okay, I get it. And it's early enough in the game, and the cards are so basic at the beginning of the game because they haven't been built up yet that it's not as hard to teach as it is to kind of give an overview. It does take a while to teach, though. I think it probably takes maybe a half an hour to teach the game. Uh, And I tried to do a video explanation of it in, like, 15 or 20, and it was just kind of hard to get done. So uh, if you see my YouTube video of this or anyone else's, like, it's not well done because it's just hard to explain. And so the other one, too, are, like, the let's learn how to play this game videos that are out there right now. I'm not trying to like throw shade on anybody. I think there's some really well done videos on this, but they basically just read the rule book to you. And that's the best way I know to try and teach this game really. So um, it's just so different. It's hard.
1: Hmm, that's cool. Yeah. I, I wonder if my buddy that has all the new hotness has this
0: man. If he does, it's already like worth double the, the value. It was on Kickstarter. So that's crazy. If he's got a copy and I can play his, I might flip mine.
1: Yeah, I mean, not a bad idea, really.
0: Because I I love Edge of Darkness, but man, I really love money. (laughs) That's why we do this podcast, all the stacks on stacks we get, man.
1: Yeah, stacks. Uh, You're funny.
0: Again, this this episode brought to you by Doc Beck's Golf. Every thousand copies of Doc Beck's Golf that sell, we get a dollar. So go out and buy a couple copies. Oh, yeah. It's it's the perfect bar mitzvah present for the young man in your life that needs bar mitzvah. Doc Beck's Golf.
1: All right, so moving on from golf, I'm going to talk about my journey into Ameritrash. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I played a, I played a minis game.
0: My head exploded.
1: I played a minis game, but it didn't have minis. It has cubes, so that made it okay to me. And all it is is player versus player combat. So you're moving your mini, getting ne- next to other players, rolling some dice to see who wins the fight. That's pretty Ameritrash. And that game is called Queen Bee. So, um, essentially what this is, I got it for a review. I did the review already. So you can check out our YouTube channel. But what this game is, is you have a hand of cards. You have one of four actions you can take. You can repopulate some bees. You can move five spaces. You can do a a swarm where you move three other bees to a hex that has one bee, or you can do a sting, which is an attack. So you can move three and then end your turn, end your movement next to another bee and then you fight. If you're attacking, you can play a, a card that has a sword. You'll roll dice based on what kind of bees there are. You have workers, queens, and warriors. The queen and the warriors roll a bigger die. The workers roll a littler die. And whoever wins the die roll wins the fight. If there's a tie, it goes to the attacker. And you're trying to be the last queen alive. So that's the whole game. It's uh, dudes on a map fighting other dudes on a map. And I think I'm dr- falling down that... Uh, a meritrash Tunnel that's going to lead me to play Rising Sun and Cthulhu Wars.
0: I, I think uh, Cthulhu Wars is probably a real good example of a game that you'll never play. But
1: <laughs> yeah, I think
0: Rising Sun's like a lot of negotiation stuff too. So that's kind of cool. But yeah. Yeah. I, okay. So you did this one and you did Be Lives Matter or something. I don't remember what it was called.
1: <laughs> Be Lives Matter. Be Lives We Will Only Know Summer.
0: Yeah, there it is—the name of our indie rock band from like episode thirty. Uh so this is uh kind of kind of cool looking. It'd be it's it's it'd be really interesting if they didn't put hexes on there because you know like a beehive or whatever. But it is—it's a bunch of hexes. Yep. Um, but the thing that's interesting to this to me is uh, here's your fun fact, kids. Uh, your today's fun fact brought to you by Doc Beck's Golf. Uh, again, go out and find <laughs> a copy of Doc Beck's Golf. It's the perfect trick or treat treat in the children's bag. Doc Beck's golf. Uh so anyway, Doc Beck's golf fun fact moment. Uh bee beehive, they're actually they're actually considering a beehive to be the living organism now. Some people are. Oh. They're saying that like individual bees aren't an organism, which is wild because they're all genetically identical and a bee can't reproduce on its own. The hive reproduces. Weird. So yeah, isn't that weird? Like they're thinking of like a bee hive now being the living organism. And the bees within it are like the cells. So that's really mind-blowing. That is weird, I mean, I've definitely seen a bee not in a beehive. So, um, But it's kind of cool. It kind of makes sense, to be honest, that – I mean, it's true. Like, if everything was genetically identical in a a being and it couldn't reproduce on its own, it kind of makes sense that it's part of a bigger organism. So I don't know. And they're using that illustration to talk about things like the hive mind, uh, which is something you can see in many board game groups. Uh, Every
1: board game group (laughs) –
0: yeah, we're gonna give advice about that in a bit. Uh, well, cool, Jason. Uh, that game doesn't seem terrible um, for sure. Uh, it seems like it's pretty interesting. Uh-
1: yeah, and I will I will say that I told you this. If it had minis, it might have even been more fun because right. it was easier that to my mind. It was easier to see what kind of B is what because the cubes are really hard. They were just a little bit different sizes. So,
0: did you play like a pre-release, or is this like an advanced copy, or is this the final? Yeah,
1: it's a prototype. But I, I'm, I thought the guy said that he was going to do minis versions and cube versions in the final, just depending on how much money you wanted to spend.
0: Well, cool. Uh, my game I played, Jason. My next game I played is uh, uh, actually Joel's second game. Brought to you by Doc Doc Beck's Golf, uh, the perfect stocking stuffer for all your loved ones this Christmas season. Doc Beck's Golf. Uh, my second game I played, Jason, was Homebrewers. Uh, it's actually a really good game. Um, it's just out of Kickstarter, uh, being fulfilled. It was supposed to fulfill in December. So good job, Greater Than Games, on kicking this thing out months early, which is amazing. Oh, I thought you meant last Uh, December. No, man, this coming
1: December. Oh, that's awesome.
0: Uh, this is one that you as the Riveted were, uh, instrumental in bringing to life, I think. Uh, you guys, uh, we, we championed you to, to go back this one and it wasn't going to make it. And then it did. And I'm sure it was us. It was the riveted uh, that backed this game and made it come to completion. So you're welcome greater than games and homebrewers uh, is a really good game. And you have a little player board and you're, Basically doing these die. You're rolling these die and then you can trade your die around to get different actions. And everyone has a player power that's going to be slightly different. But you're basically brewing beer in these buckets. And then you got to clean your buckets because you get grime in your materials and your equipment. So you're balancing brewing your beer with cleaning the grime up. And every time you produce beer, you get a little better at it. So you move up on this knowledge track. But then also you kind of experiment with ingredients, so you can draft ingredients or spend your actions to get more ingredients. And the more ingredients you get to put into your recipe, the more your beer is going to get move you up the track as you create batches. So, um, pretty cool that this all is is happening at one time. Has dye that it's driving it. Uh, it's just a little different. It's like an it's like a you roll for your actions kind of thing. And then you can trade amongst yourselves, which, which makes it so you can kind of mitigate that a little bit. Um, but it's a, it's overall really fun game. Uh, it it doesn't feel like you're brewing beer necessarily, but it does feel like, I don't know. It feels like you're trying to like make these actions fire and, and move up these tracks faster than other people. I think it's, it's pretty light really. It's a, it's a medium weight game. It'd be heavy for family games maybe, or, or a heavier family game, but it's a medium gamers game. Um, Pretty cool little game, though, and I, I like this one quite a bit. This is by the guys who made craft, Brewcrafters and Microbrewers, uh, and it kind of fills out that trilogy. Um, so I I think it's good. I think it's as good as Brewcrafters almost. Um, it's just very different. It's much lighter than Brewcrafters, but it's just a lot of fun to play. You can get it out and play it and be done with it in less than an hour. It's just one of those nice games of that way, you know, like a nice work night evening game with your family kind of game. So uh, get the children out of the bed and uh, have them come brew beer with you in a board game. So,
1: <laughs> that kind of game. Yeah, it looks cool. I, I looked at some pictures on BGG, and it looks like a fun game.
0: It's it's pretty fun. It's one that we'll have to play to, at a meetup, because it's quick, and it's not that heavy in your brain. So, uh, maybe after we get done with a real good game like Doc Beck's Golf, we could give a chance <laughs> to uh, play homebrewers. Uh, again, Doc Beck's Golf, the principal sponsor of the Board Game Mechanics this week. Uh, perfect game for... for those Easter baskets. If it's right in an Easter basket, just perfect. Doc Beck's Golf. Anyway, uh, this was the Doc Beck's Golf's Games Played segment, seg- Segment, and uh, I guess we're ready to move on to our advice. <music> Jason, this is gaming advice. We're going to give some advice to people. I'll tell you what. This is some podcasting advice. If you finally decide to monetize your podcast, um, make sure you really read the terms of your uh, advertising agreement because, man, we are in a real, real weird predicament here with our, our Doc Beck sponsorship. <laughs> uh, anyway, all right, well, this is the Doc Beck Screamer <laughs> Advice brought to you by Doc Beck's Golf. Uh,
1: <laughs> or skulking. How about Doc Beck skulking?
0: No, we, we aren't skulking good yet, Jason. All right, sorry. <laughs> a thousand copies, we get a dollar. That's all, That's all it takes, guys. So. Uh, I'm sure Doc Beck's Golf is a good game, and I don't know why Doc Beck's been in my mind today. <laughs> I? I guess because the exclusive distributor of Doc Beck Games is now Asmodee in Canada. So you poor saps in Canada, you won't be able to get Doc Beck's Golf anymore. You'll have to get, you'll have to get Doc Beck's Golf brought to you by Queen Games or something. I don't know. Is Queen Games owned by Asmodee? I think it is, I right? don't
1: know, but the funny thing is it's Grandpa Beck, and you keep calling him Doc Beck.
0: Do, well, Doc Beck's Golf is different. Oh. Uh. Because <laughs> if we see the real company, they could sue uh, us. They that, that's true. Sue us for all that advertising. <laughs> that we have to them real advertising All that in the free future.
1: advertising that we did for them.
0: This is the. This has been a Doc Beck's fake name moment. Brought to you by Doc Beck's call. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Grandpa uh,
0: Beck. It really is Grandpa Beck, not Doc Beck.
1: <laughs> oh man. This, this
0: advice – let's get to the advice, Jason. I think I've, I've worn on your patience enough. Uh, this has been Joel's irritating Doc Pex moment brought to you by Doc Pex Golf. Uh, anyway, uh, if you're newer to the hobby, this is my first bit of advice. Give a game a couple months. That's my thing. If you don't know your taste yet in games exactly, if you don't 100% know if you're going to love a game, um, but it's hot and people are buying it and it's being marketed everywhere and you see copies that look cool and the cover looks cool – If you're newer to the hobby, you've only played maybe 30, 40 games, and you aren't sure what your tastes are yet, don't buy this game. Because there's so many other games out there that are tried and true, have been around forever, that you don't have to jump on the new hotness. Like, you can find a game from the last three, four years, still in print, that's going to be the same price, or maybe even cheaper. Find something on sale on CSI that's going to be a rock-solid game, has stood this test of time for a while. And I learned this the hard way my first year collecting. I bought every new game that came out. It felt like, and I spent probably $500 on liquidating my games in trades that were like two for one trades, because I was like, Oh man, I got to get rid of this copy of, of gear world, the borderlands. And I know this game was 50 bucks, but I guess I'll take another copy of, of doc grandpa's golf. I guess. I don't know. Um, plenty of copies of that going around. Uh, so, I just, I guess my advice is if you're new to the hobby and you haven't played games a ton yet, just give it a little time before you jump on and buy something.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. It took me a while to really understand what types of games that I really like to play. So now I think I'm in the sweet spot of I know I'm going to like this game or I'm probably not going to like this game.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, like then once you get a feel for what you're going to like and what you aren't going to like. Nine times out of ten, when I see a picture of a board and like read through the first little bit of a rule book online, I'm like, "Yeah, this is going to be for me." I, I have a pretty good idea what's for me and what's not. That's why I was like shocked when you said "Abomination: The Era of Frankenstein" is a cool game from Plat Hat. I'm like, Plat Hat typically doesn't make games Jason's into. And then I looked at it, looked over the rule book, and looked at those dials and player boards, and I was like, oh, "Okay, this is a good game." Yep. And so I'm, I'm, I'm like, man, this is yeah, this is really cool a thematic Euro. So um, once you get a feel for what you like, you'll be able to move pretty quick
1: on stuff. Agreed. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is it's always okay to play old games. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to think that you're a less than, you know, less than human or you're a, an inferior gamer because you're playing old games. Old games that are still being played are being played for a reason because they're good. We don't always have to be like Man versus Meeple and play the the games that aren't even out for like 3 years or nothing we can play the games that are in our collection and we will be okay so go back grab a game off your shelf play it have fun with it and just enjoy it you spent money on it for a reason you clearly liked it at one point so maybe try to play it again and see why you liked it so my first piece of advice is just go, go ahead and play old games it'll be all right
0: 100 percent with you and play games you've already played I mean, sometimes it's just good to go play a game that you already know the rules to and master it a little bit. I think we all like playing new games. We like to explore new games. It's fun. There's so many new, cool, and innovative things happening in the world of board games all the time that it is hard to like focus on older games or play games that you've already had. I mean, for example, uh, Grandpa Beck's Golf came out in 2008. That's 11 years old now. Um, it's still a really good game. Is it really that old? Uh, yeah, it's 11 years old. Wow. Um, came out in 2008. And I mean, like just, just think. That's... Um, eleven years of Hanukkah gifts that you could have been giving out for for Grandpa Beck's golf. So, um, yeah, no, it's 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 some of those letter games are awesome. Like, and I'm gonna say for my own example of this, for like a for real example, uh, is is balloon Cup. Um, I really like balloon Cup. and that game is so old. It's it's 15 years old, but I just played it for the first time. Really love it. And I can see why it's a good game. And that was like a cheap game that I picked up for like secondhand for not a lot of money. Um, So some of those older games that people are liquidating because they're tired of them or whatever, or they're called to new benefit from that too. So you can sometimes get a really great deal on a game because people are are moving stuff out and get them at garage sale prices and really enjoy them. So um, yeah, for sure. Older games are good. Yep. Well, Jason, I guess I should give some more advice. I'm really concerned for people listening to my advice, to be honest. Um, but I think I may know a couple things about this. Um, here's my next one. This is something I just learned pretty, pretty recently. It just kind of clicked with me in the last year or so. Don't play with people who need to convince to play a game. So don't try and talk people into playing a board That's game. a good one. Um, so like if you're at a family get together and people don't want to play a game, don't try and get them to play a game if they don't want to play. Um I know that you want to be evangelical and teach people about how good games can be. You want to try and, and get people to you know enjoy the hobby and be a part of what we enjoy so much. But people are different, so not everybody likes what we do. And then the other thing too is if you put someone in your group who's reluctantly playing – they ruin a game. They are just like sour. They don't pay attention to rules. You have to repeat things. They don't pay attention to their turns. They're on their phone the whole time. Um, so really play with people who want to play a game. And I would way rather play a two-player game with one other person who wants to play or even play a solo game sometimes. And then instead of dragging people into a 8 a person game of the resistance or something where no one knows what's going on and no one really wants to play. So uh, don't, don't twist people's arm to play. The other thing too, is you wear people out when you do that. So like I'm going to use my own wife and son, for example, when I first got into this hobby, I, Oh, I like, I loved games so much that I, I just was constantly trying to get them to play games. Uh And, and I burnt them out. I burnt them both out. So now for them to play games, they've got a, they're pretty close minded. So uh, just play games with people who want to play games when they want to play them.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Sometimes I make people play some of the games that I have to play for reviews, and it usually doesn't end well. So, yeah, I I right
0: With you 100%.
1: All right. So, my second piece of advice kind of ties in with my first one. I mentioned it a little bit in my last one, but you don't always have to be playing games that come out three months from now. Call to the future. I'll even say call to the new. You don't have to be called to the new. You don't have to be the first person to play that hot game. So, like, you don't have to be the first person to get Tapestry when it comes out. It will be okay. You can play Wingspan that you died to get until Tapestry comes out, and you will live your life. Just play the games. Have fun. Don't try to reach for the game of the future when you have all these awesome games sitting on your shelf. Like advice number one, go play some old games. So, no need to be called to the future or called to the new. Just play what's around.
0: Yeah, and there's so much hype around games that aren't out yet or are coming out. And the thing that I have learned to ignore is this. Uh, And this is that whole like Cult of the Future, Cult of the New kind of thing. A game comes out and people go, oh, this game just replaced this game or this game just fired that game. And so then you've got the fired game and you feel like, well, why would I want to play that when there's a better version out? Well, like maybe it is better, maybe it's not, but a lot of that's hype. So I can think for sure of examples. Caverna, when it first came out, and it was all the new hype or Cult of the Future even, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get rid of my copy of Agricola. There's no reason to own this because Caverna does everything Agricola does but does it better and does it more. And so people seriously got rid of their Agricola copies super cheap for a while there. Except and for just, the card it was play. was on shelves. Yeah, and that's a critical part of the game. That is super fun. So, And now it's finally simmer down to where I think we're able to say caverna and Agricola are different they aren't the same game and that's not one better than the other the one's not better than the other I think they're that Agricola is a really great game and I actually kind of think I prefer agricola maybe um, depending on my mood so hundred um, just hang on to your older stuff the one I'm thinking of right now is I have terra mystica in my in my closet that's a pretty expensive game so I mean it didn't come to my collection cheaply um, But it's sitting in my closet and Gaia Project's out, I know. So I know I'd love Gaia Project. I know it would be an amazing game to have, but I'm not going to spend that 80, 90 bucks for Gaia Project when I know that Terra Mystica is sitting in my closet Um, and I can get most of the experience of Gaia Project. Maybe it's not quite as good. Maybe it's not quite as streamlined, but I'd rather spend that 90 bucks on another game that's totally different. So I don't know. Um, That whole like buzz and call to the future thing, I guess, to circle back to your advice, 100% believe that. Yep. All right, here's here's mine, Jason. Uh, fit your game to your crowd. So if you've got a group of gamers that are at a family reunion and they've not played anything but Life and Monopoly, don't try and break out City of the Big Shoulders or something with them and be like, this game's awesome. You're just going to have to hang on because it's real heavy. Play something that they're ready to play. Play something that group's okay with playing at that point. Um, if you're playing with people who love D&D and love minis and love playing dice rolling games – don't try and get out, you know, Hansa Teutonica with them. Maybe you go play Mansions of Madness or something they're going to enjoy too. So don't force a game on, into a group or on a group that isn't going to do well with it. Try and figure out what that group's ready for, what their preferences are. And don't just think of your own experience. Think of how you might have the best experience at the table. And I find in general, that's going to make you have a better experience, period. Like you'll enjoy playing a game that the whole table likes – better than one that you really love that the table's not ready for or it doesn't prefer. So don't force a game. Pick one that that's right for the group.
1: Oh, I totally agree. I posted on our group in the Riveted some of my top 10 games since I've been logging games, and there aren't any really heavy games on here. I play a ton, a ton right. of light games because that's the people that I play with a lot is just church people or people who just casual play games. So my top two are Dice Forge and Bonanza. Those aren't games that I'd probably play normally, but depending on the crowd is how I'm going to play. So yeah, I totally agree with you hundred percent.
0: Yep. And I mean like my top played game for the year clearly is doc Beck's golf brought to you by grandpa games. Uh, so um, I mean like you're for sure right on that. Now I think my top played game of the year, honestly, Oh boy, that's a weird one. Dice, dice thrown probably. Um, and that's not a typically a game that I would like to play that much, but I know there's a bunch of people I play games with who it's pretty quick. It's pretty fun. And I know they'll enjoy it. So we play it and I have a good time yep. with it. Um, so it's community, you know? So anyway, yeah,
1: I totally agree. Okay. So the first thing that I wrote down when we were coming up with this list is the, my number one piece of advice. And that is be willing to try games that are outside your wheelhouse. I always say that I don't play anything but crunchy euros, but that's not true. I play tons of games that, are not normally my style of game for example that queen bee game godfather's not really my style it's got minis and attacking um just i'll try whatever i don't really care i may not like it but i'll at least give it a go and i'll have fun with it so just because a game doesn't look like a game you wouldn't play you would play maybe give it a try maybe you'll be surprised and you might find a new kind of game that you like or it could open up your whole world to this whole other type of game that you'd never even looked at so, yeah, just be willing to play games that are outside your wheelhouse. That's my number one.
0: Yeah, you might be pleasantly surprised when you figure out your wheelhouse is bigger than you thought.
1: Yeah, I I mean, honestly, I think a lot of the times when you're playing games you don't love, it comes down to the people that you're playing the games with. So, if they're having fun, they make it more fun for me. So, I may not like a game, but if these people are really enjoying it, they get into it, and it makes it a little more enjoyable for me. So... You know, board gaming is about the people, not necessarily the game. So that helps.
0: For sure. 100%. Uh, If we just wanted to play a solo game that we love, like that's not usually that fun. Sometimes it is. But yeah, 100% I'm with you, Jason. For sure. Well, very good. If I would have said grandpa back the whole time, we might have actually been able to tag them in this and and see if they'd send us free copies of golf. But I mean, I don't think Doc Beck's going to send us anything.
1: Yeah, probably not. Uh, Grandpa Beck and Doc Beck are two different things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very different. And Doc Beck's golf involves like, wow, it involves a lot of miniatures. It involves a uh, like vibrating football board, about hundred die, 100 sided die, <laughs> and the manual is like sixty pages thick uh, per per miniature figurine on the board. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a lot of rules. It's it's just a lot. But you know what it is? It's the perfect stocking stuffer. So go out and find a copy.
1: Yep. I would play it probably, actually.
0: Yeah? yeah I, it's not in your real house. I, it's outside your I house. like
1: those stupid little card games. I, I don't know why I like little stupid card games.
0: Yeah. We're I, I, we talking about Doc Beck's or Grandpa Beck's because it's real confusing. They, they <laughs> name their
1: games such close things. Grandpa Beck's Golf or whatever that game is. I, I right. would probably play yeah. that.
0: Yeah, Grandpa Bex is the light one from 2008. Um, Doc Bex is the one also from 2008, but it's like the box is like 60 pounds. Is that a real game game for real?
1: That's a real company? (laughs) Oh, okay.
0: I hope so. I hope someone sees all the free publicity we gave them this episode and goes and makes a game.
1: Yeah, that's hilarious.
0: Oh, man. All dozen of you guys now are going to go look for Doc Bex Golf. (laughs) Good luck. It's Grandpa Bex. I, and actually, to be honest with you, by all accounts, that game's actually pretty awesome. So I would definitely play it too.
1: I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, they've been around for a long time, so they just make family fun games.
0: Yeah. Skulking, you love it, man.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I want to get it. I would definitely play it some more.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, like, honestly, like when you posted or when the last episode dropped, people people commented that they wore their copy out. So it must not be bad.
1: Nope. If you like Euchre, you'll like Skulking.
0: All right. Well, hey, I've been Joel. And I'm Jason. And
1: keep gaming. Keep gaming and play Grandpa Bex Golf.
0: And Doc Becks, too. <laughs> A very different game, but very good still. Oh boy, I'm going to have to edit that into something. That's a that's a real pig's ear that we got to make a silk purse out of.